Hello and welcome to uh, a new podcast called Play, Pause, Turn. Um, we are going to be discussing all things to do with TV, films, games and literature. Um, and we're hoping that this podcast will be a bi-weekly show, which will sometimes feature a topical theme. But we're also going to be giving our thoughts on any media we've been enjoying, old or new. My name is John and uh, joining me today are uh, ladies first, Amy, Alex and Bobby. Um, and what I'm going to do at the beginning of this podcast is I'm going to say hello to each one and ask them a little icebreaker question. Um, because we are starting uh, something very new, I thought it would be really um, useful for us to find out a bit more about each other um, as hosts of the Play, Pause, Turn podcast. So, uh, Amy, could you give me a little, um, just a brief introduction to yourself, please? Yes, John. Um, I'm Amy. I'm from Milton Keynes. Um, I like to go by the term professional idiot. I think that generally sums up my my overview. Um, I'm a big fan of films and TV and things that I don't have to think too hard about because I find that the real life that you know we're stuck in sometimes is a little bit too much. So I like to hide in softer things like telly and computer games. Uh, aside from that, uh, yeah, professional idiot is I think how I'm going to go for now. Find out more about me next time. Uh, Alex, how about you? Hello, Alex. By the way, hello. Um... So I also live in Milton Keynes, which is not a surprise because we're married. So, so that that's fair. That, can I just say that's um, that's Amy and Alex are married, not John and Alex. Just confirm. <laughs> I don't live in Milton Keynes. Well, it's okay, very nice. That's here. fair enough. Yes, it's all right. Lots of roundabouts. Um, yeah. So uh, I work in technology. Um, so I am a bit of a bit of a geek, like most people. Um, and when I'm not working, I um, like driving around in our EV because I like I like EVs. I want to talk about that another time. Or riding around in a Brompton uh, bike. Uh, and then if I'm feeling particularly athletic, you might see me in some running shoes, but don't expect me to be running. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's called athleisure, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're proper running shoes, so I feel like that qualifies me to an extent. Um, I used to run a long time ago. But not anymore. But then you took an arrow to the knee. I did. I took an arrow to the knee and now I can't run. Oh, okay. Well, uh, pictures or uh, I don't believe you. And hello, Bobby. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about yourself. Hello, John. Uh, I'm Bobby, uh, also known by day as Roberto Revilla. Um, I run my own business. I'm a tailor. And that basically means that I stop badly dressed people from um, running around in the world and uh, giving people headaches um i absolutely outside of all of that i am a massive geek um i love everything to do with film and cinema and uh tv um and comics i uh i did most of my growing up literally inside of view cinema in croydon um so um i used to work in an electrical store next door to it and then i would basically just spend every minute I could after work in that place just growing up on film uh, I just love immersing myself in any other reality um, that is not this one especially over the last year um, and yeah that's me I also own a PS5 by the way <laughs> got to get that in now oh okay we're setting out our, uh, our stance fairly early aren't we well uh, Alex is an Xbox uh, fan aren't you Alex so uh there's the divine straight yeah. away, yes. I, I know. I, I I am John, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I am a teacher 
and I live down in the southeast in Kent. Um, I like being a teacher because I get time in the holidays um, to actually get some of this consumption of media done. So I've spent a lot of time um, over the most recent holiday playing video games and watching films. I'm I'm with everyone else here. I'm a big fan of all things geekish, and I I, I do like uh, my sci-fi big time. If I'm going to relax, I will choose probably games first. But um, having said that, I have been sitting in a hammock today with a, a cold drink and a, a book because the weather's been glorious. Um, mm. But I, you know, I I, I have um, been brought up on being a late gamer. Really, I started late in gaming because uh, I had a parent who did not like video games, so it was always a bit of a challenge for me to play games, and it was always at friends' houses. So I've played played on a lot of the old retro consoles, kind of indirectly. Um, but I've never, up until now, owning you know PlayStation Five as well, and at the earlier iterations, I've not really been playing much games. So I think that's probably why I play more now than I used to. Um, kids, if you stick your children in front of TVs and games and so on now, they'll be less likely to play them when they're older. So give give them games and, and TV now. That's what I say. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah. So you know, bring them bring them up on a diet of uh, of screens, and and everything will be fine in their futures. Stop worrying. Um, let's move on to um, our main topic uh, today, which is we're going to be um, talking uh, about a recent re-release or a recent recut of a film called Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, we've all been um, lucky enough to watch it um, in our different ways. Um, and what we do is we're going to give our thoughts and feelings on the film. Um, I know there's one person in particular who's got a lot of thoughts and feelings who's uh, a big DC fan. Um He's looking looking quizzically at me. I'm, I'm assuming it's you, uh, Roberto, because um, I know you're a big DC fan. Um, this is not going to be. We're not going to break it down scene by scene. I think I think um, with a with a four hour film, we'd be here all day doing that. But what we, what we are going to do is just go through a few things that we thought stood out for the film. Um, so let's start off with our general feelings first. Um, Amy, what were your thoughts on the overall? Before we do any sort of spoilers, um, if you haven't seen the film yet, I suggest go and see it before listening to this but before we spoil it uh, what were your general feelings Amy? I really really enjoyed it I'm the person whose main uh, method of measuring how good a film is is whether or not I've fallen asleep like many people um, and for this out of a four hour film I only fell asleep ever so slightly once when it was very very late so for me that's a good film Awesome Alex? Uh, yes, so I really enjoyed it too. Um, I think it's it's got plenty of faults, so I don't think it's perfect. Um, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, at four hours, though, it it actually it it breaks the sort of uh, bladder test at the moment. Um, so yeah, I I think that's something that you should go in being aware of. Is it an age thing, Alex? It's something though, you think rather than a length of the film thing. No, I don't <laughs> think it is an age thing. I think it's it's, it's perfectly normal. Um, but yeah, no, even even without guzzling a big big bottle of uh, of uh, coke or something in the cinema, um, it is the kind of thing that you need to stop and have a go and have a wee cup of tea occasionally because it's quite long. Um, I, as saying that, I, I think it is, it, it, you know, I don't want to put you off. I think it's the definitive version of Justice League. So I think that uh, that, that needs to be said. Uh, Bobby, how about you? I absolutely loved it. Um, I went in not really expecting much. I, I was looking forward to it. So ever, so ever since this whole um, release, the Snyder Cut thing started, I didn't think it would happen. 
And then as that movement grew and grew, I started to get more and more excited. And when they announced it was happening, then I was pretty excited. And so was Mark, who sadly can't join us today. Um, so, yeah, I I absolutely loved it. It's possibly one of my favourite superhero movies now, Ooh. or at least in my top 10, for sure. And previously, there was no DC movie in that top 10, uh, unless you take the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, which is awesome. And the first Wonder Woman. Um, and I, I'm also, I've just been having this debate with myself. I, I think I actually like it more than Avengers Assemble, which is saying something. Big statement. Mm-hmm. I did see the original Joss Whedon version, we'll call it, in the cinema with a friend. And we were both, we we're both massive Superman and Batman fans. And we were so excited that evening. Like we had it all planned out. We met after work. We, um, uh, went to Nando's, uh, you know, the whole thing, you know, I had a big old chat about what we were excited to see. And and then we came out of that film and it was like someone had killed our puppies. Oh dear. It was just a total car wreck. It was a pile of crap. But this is, like Alex said, what that film was meant to be. And it was brilliant. I didn't have a problem with the runtime. The only, well, the only problem I've had with the runtime is I've not been able to get my wife to sit down and sit through it, which I think is actually really out of order because she's a massive Lord of the Rings fan and she will quite happily make me sit through a marathon of the extended editions of the entire Lord of the Rings Ooh. trilogy or whatever it is. So I like Hobbit those films. Well. So I'm with her on that one, Bobby, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised at that, John. Um <laughs> So that so 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 that's the only problem I've got with the length. But I personally don't have a problem with the length. I think we'll we'll get into the reasons why it's good and all of uh, of that and why it needed to be that long. But yeah, sorry to answer the the other thing that listeners will get to know as as episodes of this podcast go is that I will be asked a question and um, it will take a very very long time for me to answer it. I'm very so happy I'm for sorry. you to skirt around <laughs> yeah, I loved these it. questions, Bobby. It's fine. Um, I, I do you know what I I was actually pleasantly surprised by this film. I I would say I'm a very big Batman fan. I'm not really fussed about any of the other DC characters. Um, so I uh, would actually quite like to see this in black and white because that's how I that's how I generally imagine like Batman from the comics being black and white. But um, I was actually I, I sat and watched it from start to finish in one go, and I didn't find myself clock watching or shifting uncomfortably. I chose a good chair, obviously. Um, so I actually, you know, I did watch the first version, the Whedon cut, um, and I didn't really understand what was going on with the Whedon cut, and I found this a lot more cohesive. Uh, and I th- and I thought no, narratively, it sat really well. It was it, everything made much more sense, um, especially the introduction with Superman screaming and setting off the boxes, which I had no idea what was going on with those boxes the first time round. So this made a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I do think. There's enough um, common knowledge of these characters, you know, in the general sort of um, stratosphere of superheroes, that first-timers could actually enjoy this film without worrying too much about previous films in the franchise. I thought it actually held together really well. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wasn't going in expecting to be sort of bored silly by it all with the four-hour length, but I didn't notice the, the length of the film at all. Um, but I did make sure I emptied my bladder before watching it. That's just good common <laughs> sense, you see. Um, 
we are going to talk about this a bit more in depth. So if you are listening to this and haven't seen the film, here here is the point where we're going to do some spoilers. So this, this is your spoiler warning. Um, we are going to describe some scenes from the film, so we do. You just do need to be careful. Uh, pause and come back to it. So, standout scenes, Amy. Um, there were some. I mean, there's a lot of set pieces in this film, um, and I found it going back and looking at it quite hard to pick and choose. But there was a couple I really enjoyed. What did, what were your favourite? What, what did you find that was the strongest part of this film that stood out to you? Well, it's probably not the strongest one, but then again, I tend to spot very very different things to other people. Um, so the thing that really stands out to me that I can't shake off is very simply when, um, okay, big spoiler warning, the Flash um, gets involved in a car crash and zooms outside and helps somebody. But I just felt it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I thought this, the way it was filmed was gorgeous and I felt that the way that time and everything slowed down showed a real delicacy because we all the time that I've been thinking about The Flash, I've been thinking, yeah, it's really, really fast, but this just showed that actually he has so much time to play with and he's so very, very gentle. And he has to be gentle, otherwise you could upset the fabric of the universe and just treading on the floor can move the tarmac. And I thought the way that happened was just gorgeous and that's something that... I've taken away from the film. It's not a leading point in the story. It's not a massive point from a director's point of view. But for me, I really liked that. I was a big fan of the scene, and I think it was one of my stand-up points as well. Alex, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean that particular character. I can't remember her name uh, at the moment, but I, that's it. So she was she was meant to be quite important. She's meant wasn't to well, she's, she? she's his wife in the comics for the, can, canonically. For the, for, yeah, yeah. And and the, I I I think that probably went got got missed out from this. Does it matter um, though if people don't know who she? No, honestly, it didn't matter at all. Um, I think it was a really beautiful scene, and it kind of got us into um, the flashes sort of the things that he has to deal with on a daily basis, like what, like exploding shoes. You mean? Well, yeah, like that was it. It was like just trying to get an, a normal job uh, yeah. while he while he studies is something that he he uh, struggles with because things happen and then he he just has to jump through a, a window um, and that kind of thing. I just I love the the piece where he had enough time to go and get the hot dog, um, put, oh, it put it in his, his pocket, pocket. Oh, yeah. and then and then usually later it was, I thought that was great. Um, so yeah. No, and he was he was a highlight of the film, as we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, I did get myself thinking when his shoes blew up and and the, like you said, the tarmac rumpled that he's got to be fairly strong as well as fast, hasn't he, for all these things to happen? Mm. And the way he kind of pushed his finger through the glass and it became liquid, uh, and like it got yeah, me really right. thinking. I always think I don't know how you feel about this when you watch these sort of films, like the, the repercussions of being this person. Like how does he cope in life? Um, and it's really interesting how Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash, Barry Allen, how he he acts and thinks very quickly. Um, mm. How he talks quite quickly, and he's he's a, he, he strikes me as being quite ADHD, you know, in his own way. And I think that that really fits in well with how fast his mind has to work with running and coping with all these decisions at high speed. So I thought um, what could be misconstrued perhaps as being a bit of a silly character actually. He, I thought he acted it very well, Bobby. What was it, what was some good moments for you in the film? What did you really enjoy? 
I just wanted to say on so the, many, this is where the runtime, the extra long runtime, come came in handy um, because it just allows moments, characters, and concepts to breathe, um, which you don't often get in a massive ensemble film. I mean, look, we're com- we're commenting on a four-hour runtime for Justice League, which involves DC's biggest heroes. Um, the runtime for Endgame was near enough three hours, I think, if not slightly over. Um, so anyway, look, I, for me, it, it just started from the very, very first scene with Superman dying and with his death cries sort of going out across the world, opening up these boxes. Um, because obviously that's the moment the boxes suddenly know that Earth has lost its protector. Um, but the sound of Superman's screams was just so harrowing. It just got me. Um, you know, I mean, this is this is Superman. I I massive Superman fan when I was a, a child. My mum, you know, she had multiple Superman duvet sets for me. Um, uh, my dad had built a really nice kind of picture frame around the head end of my bed, and it was that part was all Superman wallpaper as well. And I used to dress up, I had the Superman costume. So um, when I was a child, when I used to, my mum would get me ready for school and then I would quickly run upstairs and very quickly put my Superman costume underneath my uniform. And then I would get, when you play Kiss Chase at school when you're like five years old, I'd oh, be yes. running yeah, around. Course, yeah. I'd, I'd literally split my, my shirt. Guys, this was the early 80s. Anyone listening that's confused, that's what we did. Um, <laughs> when you play Kiss Chase in the playground, I would literally just run around and then rip open my my shirt. So my poor mum was forever sewing buttons on my, my school shirts. And there was one incident where I uh, my mum and dad were in the garden and then they heard me calling them, Mummy, Daddy. And apparently, the story goes, I was on a first floor window outside on the windowsill standing there in full Superman costume. I was like, Mummy, Daddy, I'm going to come and save you. And I was about to jump. And my mum had to sort of stand there, sort of like, okay, yeah, but you, we don't need saving right at this moment. Just just wait there, Superman. And, and I was literally, no, I'm going to do it. I can fly to you. And my dad then obviously had to go upstairs and save me. Anyway, big, massive Superman fan is the point growing up. And I also love Batman as well. Um, so yeah, anyway, sorry, stand up, standout scenes. I also have the whole ADHD thing. Um, standout scenes. So the beginning one was Superman and then there were loads of little ones in the middle and like a lot of the stuff with Cyborg was brilliant and it was really poignant. Um, and then the next standout scene for me was when Superman turns up again and he first comes, like meets face to face with Steppenwolf and Steppenwolf is suddenly like, holy okay, right, I'm pretty right now. And then Superman just goes right in there and absolutely creams him. Because that's what you want to see from the Man of Steel. We'd never had that with any previous iteration of the Man of Steel on film. He was always a slightly softer character. And this younger Henry Cavill version, he just seems to react to the world around him with just this raw power. And that is what Superman is. Awesome. Thank you, Zack Snyder. It was brilliant. On with the show. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've just realised I've missed up. I've mi- mu- mixed up my ro- my round robin order as well because Alex is uh, he's uh, he's got some good points to put, make as well. Um, Alex, have you ever stood on a windowsill in a cape, ready to lose your life, jumping off? No, but I did push my brother out of a window once when we were four. <laughs> um, now we should probably yeah, see. 
we should probably clarify that that my brother went on to a um a conservatory like roof so it's fine but oh, we um, bounced. Yeah. that's fine that's fine <laughs> that's not great yeah. you asked you asked john i i had to ask was it was it okay. an old sort of 80s corrugated plastic oh, yeah, a bit softer, conservatory roof or was it double glazing no it was pretty sturdy so it's fine but um, but yeah, no, that is something I remember. But then I was four or five at the time, so is is I your don't... brother still alive? Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. that's good. I'm glad. Is he all right? Is he is he gone on to have a successful career? He still and have children. Still and... holds it against me, like for some reason. I don't know why, but he it just still holds it against me. Didn't so. didn't he try and electrocute you as revenge? That that's a whole nother podcast okay. that we need to probably talk about. Um, yeah, there's there is stuff to, to, to discuss there. Um, I feel like that's more of a counselling yeah. podcast. But <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's no problem. Um, uh, and speaking of um, young men who've been in accidents and they've rebuilt uh, better than before, maybe using some sort of new alien tech. Uh, Alex, what were your good bits from <laughs> from the uh, Snyder Cut? What did you enjoy the most? Uh, that's a good point, actually. Uh, yeah. After the reconstructive surgery was finished, my brother was fine. <laughs> so it's all good. Um, uh, no, Cyborg. So, so for me, he was the highlight of, of, the, um, uh, of the movie, uh, partly because he was so overlooked in the um, Whedon cut. And the challenge is there hasn't, because there, there wasn't an um, existing uh, material um, uh, for Cyborg, you know, I needed to get up to speed quickly on on the character and understand his, um, you know, his motivations. Um, and what's nice about this was that there was so much time taken to us understanding that, understanding his family, um, and and the circumstances that that um, led to the accident and to him becoming cyborg. And because it was so tied to the um, main storyline as well, I think that. Honestly, that that really brought everything together. Um, so I, I was really impressed by the cyborg arc uh, completely. I thought it was really really good. Um, what did you guys think? No, I agree. I agree completely. I think I think it's a, a really really good trend, a really encouraging trend in new media that's coming out that we aren't sideliding or fridging uh, other characters that in the past have been. I'm, I'm thinking of the more most recent um, Falcon and Winter Soldier episode that's was very moving uh, and how it dealt with the way um, people of colour have been treated in the past by governments and military and so on. So I, I think, I think you're right, Alex, for me, um, I, I, I like the fact that it was the central core of the film. I think it made, it's what made the film make so much more sense. There was, there was a, a proper um, reason for all this happening that I just couldn't see in the, in the original film. Um, and I really like that. What about you? Yeah. Everyone else? I just like seeing Cyborg's dad because I used to love watching Eureka and your man from Eureka turns up and he's got a robot for a son and technically that could be canon. I don't know what Eureka is. I, I just know Joe Morton as the um, guy from Terminator 2. Yeah, that's who I remember him from. Uh, and with, with, when he dies at the end and he's breathing like that. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you I mean, mean. And then he... Yeah. We've ruined exactly. it for me now. You'd, um, you'd, 
Yeah. <laughs> One character I was really pleased that they cut out of this film was Henry Cavill's moustache. <laughs> because no moustache game. In the Joss Whedon cut, that was so distracting and it was just, it was crap, lazy CGI. And I was just so, that was one of the things I kept Googling in the days running up to the release of this film. Have they sorted his moustache? Have they sorted his moustache? And uh, I was just so, so pleased. I kept pausing it on my very high resolution screen just to look at Henry Cavill's upper lip. And I'm not gay. Um, but, you know, if I was, then he's a very handsome guy. Um, well, didn't they say yeah, didn't, his, his upper lip was perfect? Didn't Snyder say that he used no footage, footage that Whedon used? Like every bit of footage was not any footage that Whedon used for this new film. It was all, it was all his own original stuff. Well, that was, that was a reshoot as well. Yeah. So he did, I don't think he used any of the reshoots. Sure. He did, he did work with the original thing. But that was the thing that, was, that Snyder did originally that was then mixed up yes. with Whedon. Okay. That's right. No, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, and, I, and, I, and I think that, that, that the whole um, point of view shot from a mobile phone, TikTok style videoing uh, Superman at the beginning, almost felt like it was pandering to some marketing guy at uh, Warner Brothers saying, we've got to have a, you know, a point of view shot from a mobile phone to, to keep all the kids happy. I, I think that was a, a good cut. I agree. Um, I mean, I, I, w- I was a big fan of the, the Flash moment in the, in the dog cafe, but I also... Really, really like the the, Themys- the Themyscira scene where um, I think that's is that um, Steppenwolf's first appearance when he uh, first arrives. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. he goes for that mother box first. I believe. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I thought it, uh, the choreography of the fighting was amazing. I, I thought it really showed how the Amazonians were. I mean, they're up there with the um, the uh, the Dora. What are they call the guy, the ladies from um, Wakanda, the Dora. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Yeah, I think I think that you know they're, they're, I can see analogies there. They they were you know I, I watched a, a breakdown of this scene from the Corridor Crew who who talk about VFX and I found I saw some fascinating things about how when Snyder showed the Amazonians kind of fighting against Steppenwolf in, the, in that main temple, how he showed them falling to the ground and being hit against the wall. Where if you look at the Snyder cut, sorry the the Whedon cut, you see them falling but not hitting the ground. So you get that kind of that knowledge that the fight is visceral and real and, and they're getting hurt by Steppenwolf and they're although they're still powerful beings, you know, there's there's damage to them and, and I think that's where the emotion comes in. And I really especially the scene where um Queen Hippolyta is she's scooting out that sort of main tunnel and you've got a couple of uh, other Amazonians knock, knocking down the poles uh with hammers um so that they will end up trapping Steppenwolf and their own people inside that temple, which then falls to the ground. I think that whole scene was fantastic, and <laughs> the the kind of throwing the box tied to a string through an arrow and catching it on a horse. I mean, they really were superheroes in that scene. I really was impressed by that, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I no, I completely agree. I think it's really interesting because I watched uh, the Snyder Cut first. I must have watched uh, uh, Weeden Cut a long time ago when it was out. But um, and then straight after I watched the Whedon cut, and then straight after I watched the Snyder cut again, wow. and then straight after I wanted to watch the, because I keep wanting to compare the two, and um, I think what it, it it what it lacks in in the Whedon cut is it lacks gravity, 
So that particular, that whole scene, you're like, oh yeah, this is fun. Oh, okay, they're, they're not winning. Okay, that's not a real problem. Whereas I think in the Snyder version of it, um, you you feel that, that, that consequence so much more. Um, and that's really clever because actually it didn't take any longer to do that. You know, a few extra shots. It was really just about making sure that, that you, you saw the whole part of them going through and um you talk about gravity yeah, Alex. No. you talk about gravity and i think that that actually marries quite well with the other observation about Steppenwolf's look compared to the yeah. whedon cut because not only does he look better and i think actually at the end of mm-hmm. uh the batman versus superman film we actually saw this outfit for real anyway so i found uh, right you know it was a bit of a weird jar to see Steppenwolf as some dude wearing a helmet in the whedon cut when he'd been shown with that amazing spiky sort of dynamic armor, um, was it Wetter Digital who did the VFX for this? I think it was, wasn't it? Um, I could be wrong, but um, the visual effects guys did an amazing job. Not not only because the way he looks, but actually the way he moved and landed and fought. There was a lot more weight behind him. If you look at if you compare the two versions of Steppenwolf, so even in the VFX, they are working hard to make that film look. Uh, as you say, the emotion of gravity come through, um, and I think made him look more threatening. And when when they're colliding, and when Diana's fighting him, and it, again, you it's almost like the viewer can put themselves into the situation and feel those clashes and bangs. I thought that was really impressive. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I did actually think that um, Steppenwolf looked cooler than Darkseid. Personally, he almost overshadowed him a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then because he was yeah, Darkseid just looked like some tramp that was stuck behind a portal. Yeah, like with like a sort of weird dustbin on his head. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're going to see more of Darkseid, and maybe that, that we'll see more of maybe maybe he's had a different outfit, go back to his wardrobe and try a different cape or something. But um, well, um, it was that's really maybe really, really maybe I should just he, he should come and see me at the yeah, workroom. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'd be able <laughs> to get some sponsorship. Um, that was meant to be meant to be Justice League too, uh, Bobby. So that was that was meant to be what it was. Is he goes to Taylor and uh, gets himself set up, and then he comes and conquers Earth. So, oh, and then Darkseid becomes the first guest of the next season of my podcast. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Tailoring Talk. That's with it. Me, Roberto Rivella, and I'm joined this week by Darkseid. Hello. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's... You always have Hello. to trump us, Bobby. That's that's what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think added to the to, just while we're on Steppenwolf, if I may. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think his it, in the first cut, it was like who the who the who the hell is this guy, right? Like we didn't know about him. He was just some dude that was after these MacGuffins and was just killing everyone. Mm. Um, there was no purpose to it. Whereas. Um, they took a leaf out of Marvel's book with this cut and actually gave him some sort of backstory and some reasoning behind what he was doing. So we almost had that sort of weird juxtaposition where in one way it's like you're meant to hate him because he's a murderous bastard. But then on the other hand, you're kind of like, eh, well, I can kind of see why he's doing all of this. Um, and so there was a little bit of understanding there. And that also helps with the whole gravitas to this new version of the character so that was really good my, my understanding it's kind of like office politics here with with um Steppenwolf. he's he's got one like line leader who he speaks to who's the guy that turns up in that barrel of fluid and talks to him and is he called Deceed? i think he's called 
but it almost sounds like a dark side. Yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all variations. Then, then obviously, Dassard goes side. up to the boss in the top floor of the office up top and says, "Look, you know, this guy down here with the funny helmet is looking for a promotion." And so it felt like office politics. There's sort of three levels of him having to prove himself. Um, okay, let's let's go to the flip side of this. Um, were there any issues with this film that really um, irked you? Because I had a, I had a few. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm pretty critical in most cases of films, but were there any points that you thought, ah, hold on, what's going on here, Amy? Aquaman is a douche. Um, he was he was just so <laughs> unlikable. I think I totally get that films made at different times by different people. There are different kind of storylines and views. With the original Aquaman film. His character in this versus his character in the Snyder Cut and in the Whedon Cut, really, really different. Um, really unlikable. Don't know if that's intentional or not. But both Snyder and Whedon both managed to make him come off like a douche. So in some ways, they both got something that they agreed on. Um, yeah, just really didn't want him at all in this, unlike the main film. Like, I did, found him just did, too different did from he lack his standalone film. Amy, Complete. He lacked humility. Um, he was just not likable. I'm afraid for me. So this was his first um, outing, wasn't it? Because Aquaman came after this. After after Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah well, that's no. that too. Because <laughs> yeah. he wasn't wasn't really much. No, this was his first outing as Aquaman. So Aquaman, the, so sorry. what happened was on his standalone. Then they had a rethink and made him more likable. Okay, yeah. that makes a little bit more sense. But I stand by my point that he's a douche. Um, I, I, I felt like his character was probably the least explored, the most underexplored character of the film, actually. He didn't... I mean, okay, we had that scene in that Icelandic village where he takes his shirt off on, on the pier and listens to Nick Cave whilst the, the surf bashes him. And I think that was basically <laughs> softcore porn for the ladies, which is fair enough. Why not? But um, I think Henry Cavill was more... His topless was much more enticing than... Uh, than uh, Jason Momoa's topless, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I need to tell my wife that Jason Momoa's in it. <laughs> and secondly, there you takes go. This is it for you. That's it, Bobby. Catch the little fishy. Um, yeah, I think I think he was. I mean, there was a scene that was cut where he was sitting on a um, uh, Wonder Woman's lasso of truth, and he started saying things he shouldn't do, which um, I think was a good cut. But yeah, I, I felt like he was. Either a bit of a comic relief or a bit underexplored. Um, Alex? I've got a point on that, actually, because I think that's a, probably a theme that I think is a is a bit of a downside, um, which is that humour was sucked out of the film. So, yes, the, the humour that was put into the Whedon cut was, um, you know, f- felt false or it felt forced, sorry. Um, but the 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 challenge is that the only um, light humor came from the the flash, you know there were a couple of quips here and there, but they were so depressed compared to what they were in um, Whedon Cut. Um, I, I, honestly, it, 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 there were times where it, it did make you feel like uh, a bit like Endgame in a way, where you felt like you know this is not going to end well. This is not you know we're not doing well at all. Um, and that level of gravitas was really important, but it didn't have a counterpoint in the Snyder Cut. Whereas in the in the Whedon Cut, they tried to do it, even if they did it badly. They they tried to to, to lighten bits up. Um, Bobby, so yeah, Bobby that, has I, a I found that a challenge. I think, Alex. Well, I think the first point is that 
Alex, if you're going to do something, do it properly or don't do it at all. And Joss Whedon <laughs> just shouldn't have f- freaking done it at all, right? So, secondly, having grown up reading Superman and a lot of Batman, for me, the balance of humour was just right keeping in tone with DC. Um and it just meant that when there was a little bit of humour, and this is just me personally, I, I totally appreciate this doesn't work for everyone, that's absolutely fine. Um, but when there were moments of humour, they landed, like they really landed, like the bit with the Flash taking the wiener, um, or whatever you, what is it, a hot dog? <laughs> Do you call it a yeah. wiener? No, 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 I prefer the first. <laughs> and, well, can you that say that moment, again? Can you say that again for me, please? Just say it again. Sorry, John. John gets excited. No, say it. Um, say it again. Say it again. Say it, Bobby. Listen to the previous say it. in this podcast. <laughs> wiener. Oh, <laughs> okay. The Flash takes his wiener. Oh. Takes the wiener. No, stop now. Stop. Stop. There will the, be a the wiener Flash remix takes that coming lorry out driver's next week. Wiener. A hot dog. There's hot dogs flying around in this craft. You've already told us um, that you're impressed by Flash... length. Anyway, well, so someone's fine. hot dog flies through the air, and the Flash grabs his. <laughs> sausage meat and you're thinking in that moment <laughs> Alex asked for humour that's why Bobby's I'm... actually just demonstrated um, that he can inject more humour into his film than Joss Whedon so I'm, I'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> so um, well who knows what Whedon's Joss Whedon was grabbing Ray Parker Jr allegedly his name is for sure um, so he grabs the where was I he grabs the hot dog and in that moment, you're thinking, that's a bit random. And my immediate thought was, maybe he's hungry. Um, but then, oh, I'm not going to go into religion. Um, and then later on, sort of a minute later, he's then obviously with the dogs and everything. And the reason why is because he wants to get that job and he took the hot dog for you know feeding them. But that joke really, really landed for me because I then laughed out loud and spat out whatever it was that I was eating. Um, but <laughs> anyway, and, and also when they're talking about the satellite surveillance to find yeah. where Darkseid and everyone are, and uh, I think it's a flash that turns around to Bruce Wayne and says, oh, you've got a satellite. And then Ben Affleck just turns around and goes, six, actually. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I don't, we I don't think it was ever done. Batman. No, I don't. No. It, it wasn't it was overdone in the Snyder right. Cut. Yeah, yeah. It, well, no, I I agree with that. I just feel like, and this is the, the challenge: is that if if Whedon had had more time to um, think about the, the 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 things that he's trying to put in, like a, a humor, it would have they would have landed better. There was a lot of poor uh, uh, poor humor in the. Um, Whedon cut was was Whedon was all stripped out. Was he under pressure time wise or budget wise for this film? Was it get it out quick? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Was. Yeah. But we'll. We, I think we should go through that because I I want to go into a bit more detail about that. But yeah, okay. I think I think he was under a lot of pressure from the studios to deliver a version of event like DC's version of Avengers Assemble. That was literally the brief. Right. And that's why that's why Snyder was like, I'm out. I I just want to do my you know, get out away from this, and 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 uh, obviously Whedon was like, well, I can do that again. Obviously, that's not a problem. Um, but obviously, the source material doesn't lend to that very well, and that's why we had to have all the reshoots. And as soon as that happened, it just unraveled 
So um, I think I think that was that was sort of the down downfall of 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 um, the Whedon cut. But um, no, honestly, I think some of the humour, like and and the fact that the flashes, the light humour worked really nicely, and it was just nice to get those little moments from some of the rest of the team because if so much of the um, uh, storyline was so dark that it's just it's nice to have a little bits uh, as we go. Um, otherwise, you end up going, oh, this is this is tough work. I thought I was meant to be enjoying enjoying this. There's nothing, know, there's nothing wrong to... with a with a dark film though, with a with a depressing film. I think you know this is not going to be the final film uh, from this franchise by any stretch. I understand Snyder's got you know, more plans afoot with I think with which was hinted at in the um, the final dream scene with Joker, but. Um, which we'll talk about in a second. But Amy, Amy yeah. Alex, Bobby, were there any other uh, issues you have with the film? Um, I think, um, you know, Snyder's a Marmite director, right? People either really lo- love him or they hate him or they love some of his stuff and they don't like other stuff that he's done. So for me personally, out of all the Snyder films I've seen, it, you know, it's like um, 300 I really liked. Sucker Punch, what the f***? Um, I watched that again. Man of Steel. Really? Yeah. I, Sucker I, Punch. I did. I watched it again because it was they released like an extended and? edition on iTunes. At, right. And I watched it again. I thought was it any I better? Thought, Why did I want to rewatch this? And yeah, the, the, it's a teenage it's boys. Hard work. It's a uh, well, it's a wet dream. Basically, it's a wet dream. So it's panel. still yeah, exactly. And I thought, well, yeah. yeah, it does make you think sometimes. And again, we can think about how Whedon maybe was treated and treated other people. How, how some of these films get made in the first place? Who who approves them? Sometimes it's a bit it's a bit strange. Yeah, no, it's sorry, crazy, Bobby, but, I mean, Sucker Punch, Watchmen. I I never read the original comic, and I still haven't seen Watchmen in its entirety. I've now bought the director's cut, yeah, and I've that is that waiting well. to go in my iTunes library. And I yeah. again, yeah. it's one of those that I will need to be alone because wife is not interested. Um, but I take everybody word for it i've got some friends who are massive watchmen fans and they told it. me that is you know one of the definitive comic to screen adaptations it just hits a nail on the head for for big fan uh, boys of bobby of if you um, once you've watched the film mm. um, and possibly read the comic as well it's up to you it's very good the comic uh you must must if you can get a chance to watch the the more recent uh watchmen tv series because that is one of the best things I've seen on television for a long time. Yeah, we started watching that. We've got a it, couple of episodes in. I think, I think you, you it, it, without having seen the film, it would have been a bit weird. I think you, if you watch the film, it makes more sense what's going on. Um, but I, people listening, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. And again, it's up there with the current um, Falcon Winter Soldier series for how it deals with race issues as well. It's really, really good. It's worth a watch. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, Man of Steel. I really liked Man of Steel. Um, again, I do have problems with the mass death and so on, but I understand the thinking or the approach to it that this is, you know, someone who's discovering his powers. He's suddenly got to deal with these other like beings from his planet that want to destroy his new home. There's going to be death and destruction when those two go at it. And again, for me, just as a Superman fanboy, we'd just never seen Superman like that on screen, and and it was just awesome. Um, Apparently, and... Snyder decided to make the the final scene, you know, the time loop scene in that abandoned zone. He he actually did that on purpose. 
he wanted to make sure that there were no issues with viewers about damage to the general populace. So that abandoned nuclear village, they, they got rid of that family living there from the original cut. And they, it was yeah. designed designed by purpose to be in an area where there were no other humans so that Snyder couldn't be accused of, you know, um, cannon fodder people from the, from the first films. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, so, you know, this luckily this film obviously fell on the side of good Snyder film. Um, but there obviously are his little things. I, I, th- I think maybe we could have shaved 10 minutes off the film just by not doing quite as much slow motion stuff. <laughs> um, so that that was the only little nitpick for me. Um, and also the fact that, you know, they, they, they put the Martian Manhunter visiting Batman at the very end scene. Right, and I, I need to just ask when you about sort that. of like... Because you're the expert huh? here. How, how is it that that Batman lost about three stone between the beginning of the film and that final scene. Was it because it was filmed three years later or was it because Batman had done so much jumping around and action during the film that he lost <laughs> up to that point? Because you look at the difference between him. He's, he's all puffy-cheeked and looking morose at the beginning of the film and he's all tanned and skinny at the end of the film. So, so when Justice League was originally made, Ben Affleck went into rehab because he oh. had all the alcohol problems. Okay. And that was when his marriage with Jennifer Garner was breaking down. Jennifer Garner? And he came... Jennifer... Oh, what's her name? J-Lo, isn't it? Jennifer Lopez. No, not J-Lo. J-Lo was eight years ago. That was, J-Lo was like 12 years ago. Did he marry another woman called Jennifer? Right. Who's the one that plays the uh, alias, J.J. Abrams' first TV show? It's Jennifer Garner, right? I thought we married J-Lo. Yeah. Is that her name? Connolly? Someone look it up. What oh, Amy, Jenny? you're just Alex trolling us now, up. aren't you? While well, Alex is looking it up, is, is he just and, marrying? And he tells me I'm right. Is he just marrying women called Jennifer? So that if he forgets her name, he always gets it right. Yeah, Jennifer Gardner. I always they, thought it was they J-Lo. divorced in 2018. Yeah. No, no, no. Jennifer Gardner. Did he ever go out with Jennifer uh, Gardner? Jennifer Gardner. Yes, he did. So. Twelve years ago, oh, yeah, they made that film God. Giggly, which is one of the worst films oh, ever made. I'm so oh. confused. Okay, I remember that. Oh, and if you can think of. Any other people, any other famous people whose name is Jenny, please put them in the comments thought, below. We'd love to read them. <laughs> I thought Jennifer Connolly yes. was married to Paul Bettany anyway. Yeah, she is. Connolly, yes. Okay. Happily married. Okay, um, right, okay. So, Bobby, back to you. I'm we'll trying to answer your question now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, um, John. Yeah. Um, so he was he was in rehab for alcoholism and stuff like that. He came back for the reshoots for the Snyder Cut. Ah. So that's why he's looking leaner and fresher faced and so on. Right. Okay, fair enough. I think I need rehab. Yeah, I think I think, I think, I think apart from Bobby, I, I don't think you and I do, Alex. Um, yeah, I think okay. it sounds like so a good let's, idea. let's let's talk about these these two scenes here. I mean I, I was I had problems with Martian Manhunter and I only knew what he was by Googling him because I've never heard of him before. Why why was okay. Why did he disguise himself as Martha? What was the point of that scene? So so the point of that scene is that so Superman has just been resurrected. Yeah. And he's confused. And when Superman, this young Superman is confused, he lashes out. So he was obviously lashing out at the heroes and basically the only thing that was going to calm him down or bring him back was Lois because of their love for each other. And so so the reason Martian Manhunter visited Lois in the guise of Martha was to bring her back into the game. 
can I ask why why he needed to be Martha? Couldn't you have gone in as Martian Manhunter and said, "Look, I'm a superhero. Superman's a superhero. He, he needs you. Go and sort it out." Why did he have to be Martha? Was it a whole sort of? I'm texting thing? Zach right now just to ask that question, and I'll let you know when he replies to me. But because okay, of the time you. difference, it might not be <laughs> till the next episode. Because 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 also, scene... did you notice when she turns up to see Superman? Um, at the memorial, the policeman that she brings a coffee Jimmy for Olsen. is the original Jimmy yeah. Olsen. Yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. I just read that online. <laughs> yeah, we all saw it on IMDb, <laughs> I, I know. But I just thought I'd, I'd ask, because I think that's quite cool. they got Jimmy Olsen in there. Um, okay. Yeah, but it was to get Lois get... back in the game, basically. Yeah, okay. I, I, get... I like Amy Adams, and I wish there was more of her in this film. But obviously, um, she's kind of not the main fo- focus. But I think she's brilliant, by the way. Um and she's quite, isn't she a producer and director as well now, Amy Adams? I think she is. I think she's quite, uh, yeah, she's got quite a lot of clout in the industry. Okay. Um, the the dream scene with the Joker. Now, I understand that this is major spoilery stuff here, but I understand that uh, Zack Snyder has talked about this scene and talked about future films. And I don't want to talk about that now because that will spoil future films. But it seems to me that this is setting something up, um, this dream scene. It reminded me a bit of... Um, Tony Stark's vision of the you know the future with all the disasters going on when he was in a spaceship running out of food. Um, what's going on here? Now, it looks to me like the one of the video cutscene intros to uh, that Injustice game because I'm pretty sure there's an evil evil Superman in that. Are, are we kind of yeah, we drawing right. from a storyline that's already existed in the comics here? So basically, the heroes and villains alike have to team up, basically, to sort Superman out when he goes evil. That's the whole injustice thing. Right. Um, You don't really get much of a sense of that in the game, because all you end up doing is pairing up with some other hero, and then you go and beat two other heroes up, sort of Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter 2 style. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah. But, I mean, that's that was the whole injustice thing. Superman does go rogue. Um, I think in this, it, the the idea is that he's meant to um, have killed Lois um, due to some sort of manipulation by Darkseid. Who, who? Superman or Batman? Uh, Superman does. I thought Batman and, killed Lois. Um, and anyway, so, so basically okay. Batman has to pull a team together, which consists of obviously other heroes like Green Lantern and The Flash, etc., and then he has to pull from the other side, which is the Joker um, and, you know, other assorted DC baddies, uh, including that one. Uh, what's his name? Deadshot. No. Um, Crossbones. Um, oh, the guy with the goatee. The guy with the blonde, the blonde goatee with his... The guy with the goatee, yeah. 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 Deadshot. Isn't that Deadshot? No. Is it... Who, who's, the, who's Will Smith's one in the Suicide Squad? Oh, I don't know. This it's is the problem when, when, as a kid, you only focus on literally two comics and, yeah. and, 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 and only the ones that don't really involve any sort of overarching stuff beyond See, Batman and Amy's, know, Amy's one other person. You. Isn't the guy at the very, very end of the film that you're talking about, who I personally refer to as Eyepatch Man, um, isn't he the guy that talks to Lex Luthor all the way four hours earlier at the start of the film? Oh, I think you're right. Think yeah. yeah. Have I actually got something right? Yes. Yes. Um, maybe I'm going to need to watch this film again because I've only yeah, seen it Yeah, I think once. I will as well. Um, okay. It was meant to queue up. It was meant to queue up um, uh, a future uh, storyline um, because 
the, I, I can't remember what it's called, but there's Martian Manhunters in the in in um, uh, yeah, Earth for 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 this reason, um, and then that that it, it, it cues up that that it's another it's another plot device. That Is they this can, to do uh, with uh, the anti-life equation, Alex? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Sorry, yeah, you got it. I got the impression yeah. that was so that's what like it's meant to be the Infinity Gauntlet, where it's like the, it's the big thing that can kill everyone and control everyone. Yeah, it's meant to be. It's meant to be um, introduced as, and then and then you can see it like a precursor to what would happen when uh, uh, Dark Side comes to Earth. So if so, he comes to Earth, Earth for the equation, right? And then if he if he gets the equation, yeah. then that that Joker scene plan, plays oh, out. I see. Whereas if he doesn't, then everything's fine. Yeah. So, uh, so potentially Superman could be evil because he's being controlled by Darkseid using the anti-life equation. Yeah. Ah, that all makes sense. Yeah. And that the anti-life equation and is that losing big Lois, sort of thumbprint on the ground in that historic battle yeah. scene. And then, did someone find it later on as well? Did was it Steppenwolf that found it? So does what? It? Oh, I'm very curious. So is it has, it, has Steppenwolf found that anti-life equation yet? Was he? He's dead now. Isn't well, he? No, not yet. Right. No. This is this is oh. the thing. It's kind of okay. it, and this is the. This is my main, uh, the main um, real frustration about this scene, is that it's it's not just a short scene. It, it's there's there's a lot of they try and put a lot of depth into it, whereas um, actually we we don't have time for all that depth, uh, and it's 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 also it's just adds more confusion. So like when you have uh, Marvel films, for example. Mm. They always queue up what the next film is at the end. Um, so I've got no problem with them doing that in DC. But the challenge they have is that they, they put in a lot more. So it ended up just questioning what what the value was in the whole film. Um, and, and, and then the Martian Manhunter bit came in as well. And you were thinking, well, hang on just a minute. We've just finished this film. And now I've got... Uh, I just... I didn't like how it played. That part of it played. Um and and we should probably have when you talk to Snyder and he talks about future films, he says that there's a good chance that there won't be any more from him for DC. Really, and and that's what yeah. So like, yes, this is what he envisaged the the Justice League uh, uh, cut to be. So yes, we are seeing what he he what his vision was. Um, but what frustrates me is that we won't see this vision play out. And if we're not going to see it play out, do we need it? Like, do we need, did we need the Martian Manhunter storyline? And did we need the um, nightmare um, uh, vision? It, it didn't, it, you know, you could have easily cut those. Or they could have been and, the, in, the intros to the next film, almost, couldn't they? Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if that ever existed, but it's, so I feel like it's is uh, that's the bit that frustrates me about it is that there's bits that he puts in to the uh, 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 to to this this film that aren't necessary and 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 yes they might have been for his true vision like but it's it it's 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 not it's like the Nolan trilogy doesn't have any excess bits it stands on its own and it it runs but it it, it stands on its own and it feels like this is been he was trying to cue in this and he was trying to cue in this and that's a bit that's 
that I found I found a bit challenging because I was just like, why am I watch, watching this bit? It's this, yes, this is lovely. This is all DC, but it's when there ever becomes that that part of the um, uh, storyline comes up, it's not going to look like this, and it's not going to play like this, and they're going to have to reintroduce it again. So why why do I have to watch through it? Um, I yeah, maybe I was just a bit tired after the four hours mark. <laughs> I, I mean, think maybe, maybe that was it. <laughs> That that was the point of disappointment for me because I was like, "What now? I want to see what he was going to do next." And correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but I think part of what you're trying to say there is that why bother putting it in if you're not going to make any more movies or you're not going to continue this storyline? There was absolutely no point. It's like the Christopher Nolan trilogy for me is my favorite superhero trilogy or set of films because it has a beginning and it has an end it's left to your thoughts and maybe if you really wanted to you could go and write some fan fiction or something to talk about what Catwoman and or Selena and yeah. Bruce did next but it's just a perfect trilogy it's bookended this it was like that that was again it was like oh wow he's visiting Bruce oh oh shit now I want to see oh but they're not going to make any more and now also we don't we don't really know what has gone on behind the scenes at Warner's because one thing we do know is that they want to make money and they want to make money out of this thing that they've just not been able to get. They've not been able to get the padlock combination to the DCEU right like Marvel has. And they keep looking across the way at what Kevin Feige and team are doing. And they're so desperate to get this sorted out. You don't know if they turn around to Snyder and said, listen, we're going to give you $70 million to, to do this thing, right? And to shut these... Sh- bloody fanboys up but if it does well we're gonna we're, we might be talking to you about coming back to do some more because if they suddenly sniff that holy <laughs> based on the numbers that uh justice league Zack snyder cut has done we could have a billion dollar plus grossing film in our hands finally because they've not been able to hit that magic number All of these threads, because now the new thing that's come out in the press the other day is that Matt Reeves' standalone uh, Batman film with um, Robert Pattinson, which, by the way, I can't wait for. I saw saw some of that filming before COVID in uh, just off uh, the embankment. Um, It's one of the scenes that's in the actual trailer for it. I cannot wait for that film. Um, But now they're saying that that film is set on Earth 2. So they're sort of just kind of leaving these little strands out there to keep the options open because obviously we've got a Flash movie coming and we know that the Flash movie is going to take place in he's going to end up in different dimensions and different versions of Earth um, because there's also uh, a deleted scene from somewhere or other where um, he meets Barry Allen's Flash from the TV series, uh, Grant Gustin's version of the Flash. They actually have a scene together. So I I just think maybe this is me being cynical and also it's to do with the whole European Super League going on as well where they're trying to go and do a big cash grab there but this is not a sports podcast, come back to that another time Um, (laughs) maybe when Mark's here Um, but maybe I'm being cynical but I just just think the money men at Warners they're not going to just throw $70 million at this for for just a one-shot deal they will want to surely they will want to just keep their options open to option future films or TV shows out of this Zack Snyderverse. Bobby, I'm pretty sure they have two more films optioned for Snyder to do 
in this universe and, and continue the storyline. Wow. Okay, well, that's news to me because the last I read when I looked it up was Snyder saying, listen, I, I always would want to make the fans happy, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm done with it now. Well, uh, I read an interview. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail, but he's pretty much outlined what's going to happen in the next two films. He's he's actually spoiled them, but getting the fans infused. Um, let's watch this space on that one, because obviously, yeah. if they do come out, there's more than likely by the time they come out to be back on in the cinemas. And that's the first thing I thought of when I sat down to watch this is, uh, again, one of my main concerns I really struggled with was the um, the film format, the 4 by 3 ratio, screen ratio. Um, now, I understand this was done, Snyder made this decision to uh, be able to show the height of his heroes. And so they stood taller like gods, which you kind of lose when you've really got the top half of these bodies in a, in a landscape view. I really, really, really disliked that view. Now, I understand completely why I did it, but I, I struggled with it not being in landscape view. I sat and watched Chaos Walking today. Thank you, Alex. Um, I quite enjoyed that. But I really, uh, going back to the next film with the letterbox and the, the lovely landscapes, and I think something missed from this film was he had some really good scenes. The, the historic battle, the Themyscira um, chase scene, or you know the, the, the dome that the... Uh, that, um, Steppenwolf created, they would, I think they would have been really amazing in uh, landscape. However, I would love to have gone to see, and I'm sure you'll agree, I would love to have gone to see this at an IMAX cinema because it would be perfect. This is obviously it's an IMAX format, but I don't understand why there's not going to be a general release of IMAX of this film. I understand that Snyder has planned to show it like a, chari- a limited charity viewing at SnyderCon, um, but that's over in the States, so we won't get that. Um, what do you think is the future of this film in the cinema, following films in the cinema, or cinema itself after the pandemic? It's a bit of a bigger question. Alex? Yeah, so there is a reason why they can't show it in cinema is because of the HBO Max streaming deal. So that's that's why right. they can't show it in it, cinema. It has come out. The film has come out to purchase now, today, on iTunes. No, no, it can be purchased, but the deal with HBO Max was... Just it, it was because of that, that deal. It's exclusivity that, deal, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the reason why it won't come out. I mean, yeah, for charity, it's fine. Do you think it will later a, on? Do you think IMAX will show it later on? In time, yeah. Will. I think it. I, th- I think that that deal probably has a twelve twelve month right. sort of schedule because that was what um, HBO Max's deal was. Is that they're they're basically um, putting that marketing money that they would have got in the film. And they're putting it behind HBO Max to try and and, and get subscribers. Um, Amy, so if uh, Alex said to you, "Come on, dear, let's get our running shoes on and go down and watch uh, the Justice League again at the IMAX," I'm paying. Would you go? No, because um, firstly, it's going to cost at least three times as much as normal because they could squeeze three more films Four out hours. of people in that time. Yeah. But I've got one of these stupid idiotic brains that if I can't sit at the front of the cinema because if I can't see the edges of the screen and there's any movement at all I want to throw up um so I have to sit right at the very back and IMAX I would basically spend four hours with my eyes closed trying not to vomit you can imagine my joy my my husband bought the biggest tv I've ever seen he nearly (laughs) ruined watching films at home for me too um so you just sit in the middle of the living room don't you surely yeah but I'll just sit right in front of it um so yeah for me personally because it was IMAX no would I go and see it in a normal cinema if I was sitting right at the back where I could see the edges of the screen maybe 
Yeah, because I think it, it looked fantastic, but obviously the ratio would put pay to that. Now I understand why Amy watches everything on her phone. What I don't understand <laughs> is why you watch everything on your phone in portrait. You hold the phone in normal portrait. You don't even tilt it. Because when so you tilt it, it quite often it removes the frames. Or rather there are bits and you can't see the tops and the bottoms. Okay. okay. Uh, there's, they say there's, there's someone for everyone it. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would, uh, thanks for letting me know that it's available on iTunes today, John. I will yeah. straight after this be buying it and watching it on the Apple TV in glorious 4K. The letterbox, uh, sorry, the 434 format didn't actually bother me. I didn't really notice it. It was fine. Um, and I would totally see it in IMAX if they ever did a run. And I'm sure they will at some point in the future. If, um, by the way, actually, having said that to Amy, I will say I did watch this film on the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. <laughs> That's the biggest <laughs> screen I've been able to watch it on so far because I've not been able <laughs> to hog my home television yeah. for four hours to watch it. I mean, so uh, anyway. Bobby, it's perfect to watch on an iPad because the iPad's. Uh, ratio is nearer to four by three, isn't it? Uh, which yeah, I find really interesting, that, and that is why I'm gonna. That's why I'm gonna buy it on iTunes, um, yeah, okay. and I'll watch it on the iPad with my AirPods spatial Max, thingy. yeah, with the spatial audio, the Dolby Atmos, all all that stuff. Um, but yeah, if the, if ever in future, if they did release that film for a limited kind of special IMAX run, yeah. I would totally pay to go and see it in an IMAX so uh, cinema. Yeah. I would as well. Without think, question. Uh, Final question. On the plus side, oh, sorry, oh, I was going to say on the plus side, you're going to get an intermission because oh, yeah. at least with those parts, like the cinema can plop an intermission in after that. Can't I they? went and saw yeah. uh, a remastered, like a, re-edition, a reissued um, uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey uh, yeah. at, at uh, Cinema in Mayfair in London. And they had an interval because it's quite a long film, but it was in the, mm. the original 35 millimeter so it was a super wide, um, like mm. completely against Snyder's vision. And the interval was lovely. I mean, I, I went on my own and we all stood around, had a beer at the interval and chatted about the film and what we thought of it. And it was really nice because it's a film we'd all seen already, even though it's halfway through. It was really nice actually having a chat and talking and mingling halfway through. So that would be awesome if we, did, if we could do that. Mm. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, one last question. and I think we need to round this off. Um, there's a black and white version. Um, what are your thoughts? I really, really like, loved. I absolutely adored the black, the black and what's called the black and chrome version of Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, the desert scenes looked amazing in that film in black and white. What are your thoughts on watching this in black and white? If you could watch it in black and white, would you want it to be a super edit where they removed all humour completely and say so it was black and white and dark and really depressing? What are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> I'm good, but thanks. It- <laughs> Bobby I was uh, when Logan came out um, the Wolverine film yeah um, I love that film I was dead I, I, even during watching that I don't think they talked about a black and white version when it actually came out but halfway through in the cinema I was thinking do you know what this would rock in in black and white especially that opening scene where he has that fight with, yeah. uh, with his limo um, and the guys damage it um, but for this one, I I did love the film, but uh, you know if it comes out in black and white, so what really? I mean, you know. So I'm, the, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, the iTunes version of Fury Road and Logan, which I, bo- I own both of those, 
what was nice about and this is one of the benefits of buying on a streaming service rather than buying physical was mm. the black and white versions were an update that came out for free later on so probably if you buy the version so for Mad Max Fury yeah. Road because I do actually yeah. own that film yeah, on iTunes on, in it's, my, it's in my iTunes library they yeah. got the black and white version as well it's called it's called the black and chrome version black and chrome I'm sorry um, it I was actually I'll go and check that out it was actually now I forgot his name now a very famous director of Mad Max oh god George someone Jenny no, it's not Jenny. <laughs> Alex, Please, Google it whilst I talk. Alex, Google it whilst I talk. Terrible. I'm t- disgusted I've forgotten. But oh, Mad Max. It, it's um, George, it not George, George Romero. That's, that's not George Romero. That's, 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 no, not George Romero. No. But he, he, he decided, well, his initial vision for that film, Mad Max, was to be filmed in black and white, not colour. So for him, when he saw it in black George and white, Miller. that was his original conception of the Mad Max 3 Road film. And I think it's one of the best conversions. I did like it. I watched Logan in black and white as well. It was amazing. It's a proper Western. Actually, Alex, really. what's the director's name? George Miller. George Miller. That's George it. Miller. Well, half, halfway level. Someone. James yeah. Lopez. I think. <laughs> I think. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a nice little, a little sort of icing on the cake. But I don't think it's something. I, I don't think it's something that the fans will go and watch again in cinema by choice. Will it? Is it really? Oh. No, I wouldn't. I. I think. Like it, I, I've got no problem with people desaturating color out of a, a, a scene. Yeah, no problem with that whatsoever because it it has a real impact. Um, I just I just don't like it throughout the entire thing because it, otherwise it's it's just it, 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 uh, yes it's got a feel but but then I I just feel like it will get distracting. What about um, Sin City though? I loved Sin City, but the thing is that's Starlight. because. When they used color, it was it, it it really popped and it had a real real feeling to that. If you just stripped all color out and you just watched it in black and white, mm. yes, it would have a feel. So like Sin City would work in 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 um, uh, black and white, but it's that different. You know, it's like the red lips that are really yeah. bright against a, a dark uh, uh, you know monochrome background. It was high contrast as and, well, wasn't it? Cause... Yeah, it was. I mean, that was obviously from the uh, the um, uh, graphic novels but it was so good that was so good so I just I, I wouldn't have stripped it all out because um, then the, there's things like you'd lose the power of like I'm going for the black and white uh, Superman suit rather than you know rather than going oh, for the colour one so it's things like that that you'd yeah. lose you'd, it wouldn't it would be diminished a bit I, I if, if you are interested in seeing an equivalent to Sin City as a film is a really good animated film called Renaissance, uh, which is a, a, a film noir. It's a detective film, but a futuristic one, with Daniel Craig does the voice of the main character. It's set in Paris. It's called Renaissance, and it is amazing. Um, if you get and that's all black and white, but it's all it's a combination of animation CGI, but all black and white, and it's film noir, and it's but it's it's kind of future film noir. It's really good Renaissance. It's really worth a watch. Okay, boys and girls, we've um, we've chatted at length. I'm, I'm, I've, I think it's been a really great discussion, um, really insightful. Well done. Um, we are just going to let you know how you can get in contact with us if you want to discuss more about um, Alex's running shoes, or if you want to find a natty <laughs> his <outfit> brother, <laughs> or, he or just dig, dig deeper about the um, damaged siblings. Um, so you can find me on Twitter as at, at John P R Evans. Uh, you can find Amy at at 
Awakey. Uh, Amy, what is the basis of Awakey? What's that all about? Um, so I was one of the first children at my secondary school to go on the internet, which I was very proud of. And so I've managed to hold the handle of, because we used to hold them handles back then, kids. Oh, um, I've managed to hold the handle of Awakey for goodness knows how many years now. Um, my first name is Amy, which is A, and my maiden name was Wake. And everyone used to call my brother Wakey. So I became and what was yours? Awakey. And your date of birth and your passport number as well. Yeah, got those as well. And mother's maiden name too. <laughs> uh, and I'm just guessing, is this correct, uh, Bobby? Are you Roberto Revilla at Roberto Revilla on Twitter? No, on Twitter I am at It's Bobby Revilla. Ah, uh, because no, I should know this. I have to listen to your podcast. A famous Latin mathematician called Roberto Revilla has got my Twitter handle. Oh, you've got Amy. You've got do you remember this one? Posh. How many candles you burning? <laughs> No, I CB radio? Do you never get in? <laughs> CB radio. Oh yes, yeah, kids. CB I had a friend radio. who. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had a friend who had a CB radio, and then he'd go on, and and you'd be like, uh, I can't remember the beginning bit, but the next question inevitably was, how many candles you burning? Which apparently was like, how old are you? Don't know why the comments oh. asked that. But no, I just remember playing on my friend's CB radio, and she decided that her handle was then Goldilocks, and we got through to him. We said, Goldilocks, I've heard about you. I've heard you're naughty. And at the age of 11, we both looked at each other and went, ah! and quickly turned that everything off. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and whilst they're um, uh, falling on the floor there, Alex, you're known as at Alex Hansford on Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, it's really unoriginal. And, it's just my name. Yeah. Um, the, the only uh, handle I've held on to for a very long time is my gaming tag, which is Darth Nutclench. I've had that for about 15 years now. Um, that's not how you can get hold of me on, on, online anymore, though. You can also get to uh, our, our website where you can listen to the show again if you don't have a podcast feeder of your choice. It's um, now, Alex, help me out here. Is it www. here as well? No, no, it's just playpauseturn.show. show. And you don't need to put the W's in. No, okay. Well, again, show my age there. <laughs> but um, play, pause, turn is spelt as in pausing uh, a video, not as in cat's pause. This isn't an animal podcast. Yeah. No, it's not. Not well. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, thank you for listening. This has been Play, Pause, Turn. And uh, we'll hope to be back with you in a couple of weeks with a new uh, topic. Farewell. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>